So what are you going to tell us, tough guys? My usual, zero, nothing. <laughs> You been vaxxed yet, you piece of shit? Oh, you been vaxxed yet? You doing your part for the community, bro? Have you done... <laughs> Has that become a normal part of your life yet? Mate, if one more person asks me that question and think they have the right to ask me that question, I'm gonna start, I'm gonna start a fight, all right? I'm not that confident with my ability to fight. Not really 100% sure of what the best move to do first is. Uh, I guess it depends. Based on their size, based on how confident they look, um, based on their gender would be another thing. You know what I mean? Like I've got a feeling women would be more flexible and they could maybe duck a punch. You, and you can't even really, you're not, I don't even know what's acceptable anymore. Because when I was a kid, the thing was, uh, you, you didn't ask about people's private medical records. You didn't ask that, like I've, I've never gone up to someone and, and asked them about how heavy their period is this month, apart from my wife. And even she doesn't really like it because usually it's me having to go at her about her moods. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But it was never a conversation I had with my mum because I wasn't interested in the answer. It was, it's amazing to me how much confidence people can get by what the, uh, the mainstream media want to talk about. Like if the mainstream media start talking about something enough, all of a sudden people on my Instagram assume they have the right just to start asking, hey bro, you got the back shit? Hey bro, I just, honestly, I know I told you last week, my, my response question is, have you, have you ever got, have, like, are you on your period? That's my new question. If you've got that confidence, I, I'm allowed to ask that question. It's none of it's none of your business. So I think if I don't care if you've got it, and I don't care if you you know what everyone you're all welcome at my house, not at once. Do you know? Actually, I shouldn't say you're all welcome because I don't know all of you, but I've got a feeling that if you and I met face to face, I don't know if this is true, but it feels nice to say it. It feels nice to say that I'd probably like you. All right, so I want you to consider that I like you, even even though I don't actually know if it's true. Do you know, if you're my friend, the, the, yeah, you're always sweet. But anyway, I don't know. It's just, a, it's a weird question that we've we've become really comfortable with asking over the last few weeks. And it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's strange to me because as a kid, I was always told that segregating someone based on their personal choices was a bad thing to do. But that was, that's weird though as well. That's a weird example because when I was a kid, we used to say weird things like all lives matter. <laughs> do you know? We used to say weird things like all lives matter and now obviously we know we know that's not completely true. There's only there's only some lives that do. So I'm in I'm in a risky I'm in a risky category being a white guy who's straight, muscular, fit, handsome, even if it is my own opinion. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's been I've I've got to I've got to meditate more, I think. I got to I've got to do something to control my emotions because I've there's been a few days lately where I've just, I went down to the beach this morning and I was just practicing my kicks. I've never practiced a kick before in my life and I didn't really even think about what I was doing until I caught myself. I was doing a roundhouse kick and I just thought this could this could be a handy this could be a handy move to have. And there's people on my beach, as I've told you before. People walking around seeing me doing my breathing exercises, see me doing my push-ups, see me doing my cartwheels. It all feels good, but the kick even caught me by surprise today. I was like, oh gee, what are you what's going on here, Tice? What are you trying to prove? Who are you really gonna kick? Do you know? Because it's not going to be someone that I'm in a relation. I would never kick Jesse unless she, unless she absolutely did my head in, which is which is rare. She doesn't do my head in that much. I usually just go for a walk. If I go for a walk, it usually solves a whole heap of my problems. I maybe that's what I should practice more. I think the sun was shining this morning, so I went for a little bit of a walk up the beach and just got my head in the right frame for the day. Because the last couple of days, I've 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 been as I said, I've practiced my kicks. And if you're practicing kicks and you've never fought before, 
I mean, I used to do a kata when I was when I was twelve in in karate, um, and uh, the kick was an important part of that process. But now I'm thirty four, and I was by myself doing air kicks on the beach, so it's probably it's probably not acceptable. I, uh, I've been down in Gippsland for the last four days uh, because that's where my family here. Okay. You might have seen this on my Instagram last week. How's this? so? Uh, if you if you've been around here for a while, you know I live in a town called Queenscliff. So Queenscliff is is where I am now, and then four hundred meters that way is Point Lonsdale. So over that way, have a look on my Instagram if you haven't already seen it. Four hundred meters that way is Point Lonsdale, and there's a road called Fallows Road. So I've got friends on Fallows Road. They live so here's the road. They live on that side of the road. They're considered Greater Geelong, a region here in Victoria. These, these are mates of mine. They're both double vaccinated. One's an ambulance officer. Um, they've both done everything they possibly can to follow the Victorian rules and regulations about uh, you know what we've got to do to do our part to get out of lockdown. They've done all of it. I still haven't been vaccinated. I still, I've, you know what? I've just given you the answer that you might've been wondering. <laughs> I, still, I still haven't been vaccinated. I haven't booked in for that first dose yet. Um, but because I live 400 meters on this side of the road, because I live on this side of Fallows Road, I was allowed this weekend to drive 200 kilometers down to Gippsland to visit my family and friends while those guys were in lockdown. They weren't allowed to leave their house, really, for seven days straight, <laughs> unless it was for essentials. So I don't know, I get really confused about this kind of stuff. The lockdown rules have been funny. So there's been no incentive for me personally to go get the to go get the vax just now because I've got just as many freedoms as all my family who's been double double vaccinated. You guys must be spewing. I can see why you're frustrated with people like me, especially if you buy into the idea that once everyone's double vaxxed, we're all going to be out and about. But did you hear? So our premier here, it's like our governor for the state of Victoria. Our premier here last week, he he announced that. Uh, okay, so our goal is once we once we get to eighty to ninety percent vaccination, that's good. That's step one. Then we're going to go back. We're going to start the whole process again, and we're going to do it all again with our booster shots. And, and if if people do, I I swear we're in a reality TV show. Like we must be in a reality TV show. We've been locked down now. We we are the world record holders, which I mean feels good to say, but when you think about the record that we're holding. It's not something I'm super proud of. I reckon, I reckon China would be stoked with us. I've just got this feeling that, I don't know, I reckon Dan Andrews is gone by some Chinese communist rule book. That's what it's starting to feel like as well. I'm starting to get some real sociopath vibes, which is scaring me a little bit. And I feel bad saying this. I was thinking about him at the beach this morning, and I was like, Toss, just generate some real positive emotions about Dan Andrews. Because, man, he's, he's copped a fair bit of heat from me the last couple of months. And uh, it's a challenge. It's a mental challenge. It was, a mental, it was mental gymnastics. But... It's hard for me to believe that he's a good bloke now because it's just, it's so many lives seem to have been damaged over here. And the people, I just can't take anyone seriously anymore. Anyone who says to me, hey, Tyus, I think lockdowns is the best way forward, is he's no longer, they just, I can't really consider him a friend of mine. There's too much that's been lost. There's too much that's been taken away. Um, they're, all, they're all little bitches as well. I'm sorry if you're a fan of lockdown. Okay, tell, me, tell me why I'm wrong. Tell me how I'm wrong. That's what I want to know. I shouldn't call you a little bitch. Maybe, maybe I misunderstand. And I, I would. I'm happy to talk about this with people who are willing to chat. But it just gets emotional because we've we've all got our we've all got our preconceived ideas on what's right and what's wrong and how it should work and how it should look. And I, honestly, if you had asked me 12 months ago what an epidemiologist was, I I'd probably I wouldn't have been able to tell you. And now I've, I, in my head, I'm an epidemiologist. I feel like I know the science. I feel like I know what's right. I feel like I know the benefits, limitations of lockdown. But the problem is, that's what everyone feels like. We all feel, anyway, 
enough with that. That's three weeks in a row now. Three out of three, or three out of four, that I've just I've I've come straight out swinging with coronavirus. It's not too much more I want to say about that. But I I drove two hundred k's down to to Gippsland to see my family this week, and that's where I was going, and it was good. It was nice, even though I. Uh, haven't really been doing everything that I've been asked to do by the Victorian government. I thought, you know what, it's great that they're allowing people like me to have the freedoms right now before they introduce these vaccine passports that they're going to try and bring into action. Um, so I went down there, visited my mum, spent some time with her, and uh, it was good because I, I, I went down with my little man now who's 13 months, went down with my wife, and we went down to the local park. And it was, a, it was I think it was Saturday afternoon, maybe it was Sunday afternoon, it was a it was a real sunny day. There was a heap of kids around there, and I, I found myself in this awkward situation where I, I realized once again uh, that I was doing something that I didn't know was not really appropriate. Uh, and I'm still not convinced it wasn't appropriate. Here's the thing: I'm still not a hundred percent sure that what I was doing wasn't appropriate. So, little Charlie, my boy, who was playing in the sandpit, just he was picking up sand and dropping it because that's the limit of his abilities right now. He's 13 months, and to be honest, that was pretty good. He was doing it with both hands. I could see the coordination kicking in. It was a moment that I was really proud of. And I was like, "Hey, he's such a cute kid." But then there's this little other kid. I reckon this little other kid. He must have been. I reckon he was four or five months older than Charlie. But this kid, this little kid was. He was stacked. Like he was a big. I wouldn't have want Charlie to get in a fight with him. Not at this age. As happy as I am with Charlie's reflexes, confidence levels, I just reckon if it came down to pure strength, this this little kid would have, like if he could coordinate his punches or just even get him in a, like a choke hold or something like that, I reckon this kid would have dominated him and it would have been a really short sort of um, experience on this earth that Charlie had. But but thank God the kid kept his distance. But this this little other kid that would have won the fight, he he was he was pretty fat, I think is the only word to say. But But baby fat. Do you know? Like, it's the baby fat where it's still super cute. You can't, you're not body shaming him for acknowledging how fat he is. You're just looking at him going, well, that is a fat baby. But it's a fat, cute baby, like a, a healthy baby. Anyway, so this kid was was walking around like with, his, with seven chins he's, and his mum. It was, I mean, she she was in she was in sports attire, but she looked she looked as though she had a bit of size too. Do you know? Like she, if you're judging based on sports attire, she could have she. I reckon she could have been like a, a power lifter. She could have been a power lifter. She didn't look out of shape, but she you could see you could see where where the kid got a little bit of the size from. You know, and I wasn't talking about the mum because I know once you get past sixteen or whatever, body shaming is a real issue. But as a kid, I, I personally don't believe it counts because. If if I ever see a fat kid, for me, it's it's more cute. It's just way cuter. So this kid was walking around, hobbling around with his little little tiny baby boobies in the park, and I was laughing with my mum. Oh, I said to my mum, I was laughing. Mum wasn't. I was like, look at this fat kid. Look how fat he is. What a little cutie. Like, he's the fattest baby I've ever seen. Wow, look at his thighs. It's like <laughs> there's so many rolls going on. He's out of shape. Blah. And in my head, I was thinking, ah, oh, this is funny. Like this is this is something that we can all relate on. There's parents around. A couple of people were having a look. The mum didn't seem to mind, but my mum was giving me a look. They said, hey, Dice, hey, why don't you It's maybe shut up now, man? And Jessie, Jessie was doing the same look. She goes, but you can't talk about other people's kids like that. I was like, no, I'm saying it's fat, but it's fat cute. It's fat like I appreciate. Like if someone looked at Charlie and called him fat, I wouldn't care. Because it's, it means, for me, it's almost a compliment that I'm, as long as it's that fat that's it's stemming from health, as long as it's that fat from like, oh, he's been, he's been drinking his milk, he's been eating solids. It's not, it's not like that sugar fat where he looks unhealthy, his little baby teeth are rotting, um, he looks tired, you know, he looked healthy. 
But then my mum said, no, no, Toss, mums are real funny about the way you talk about their kids. And if anyone had called you fat when you were a kid, I would have been absolutely disgusted. I said, mum, in fairness, like I was, a, I was a pretty fat sort of kid. I was pretty... I was pretty chubby. But is that is that even a rule? Like, is there any consensus on, on calling a baby fat? Like, are you allowed to look at someone else's kid and, like, you can acknowledge in them what you find cute. So, for example, if you think they're, like, their little eyes are cute, everyone always says to my boy, oh, look at his big brown eyes. And um, uh, maybe in some cultures, big brown eyes would be offensive. But to me and to us, we go, hey, it's actually quite beautiful. Yeah. People go, oh, look at his beautiful little hair, his little smile. But as soon as you start talking about weight, people have started to become a little bit sensitive lately. Um, so it's, it's a little bit hard to know. It's a little bit hard to know what's, what's appropriate, what's not. Um, I don't know. And maybe it's a cultural thing. Maybe it's a cultural thing. And in Australia, for whatever reason, despite being, you know, one of the most obese nations in the world, we, we maybe it's because we're sensitive about it. The, the truth is I probably get, I get sensitive about my weaknesses as well. Like if someone said to me, oh, Tyus, look at the size of your nipples. They're bigger than they should be. They are. You know what I mean? I'm not going to get them out on camera. I'm not going to talk to you about it right now because if, like, that would be a weird thumbnail for this video, wouldn't it? Like if you came to click on this video and it was just me lifting up my shirt with my left nipple out, I don't reckon many people would click unless my face looked really good, which it does. I've, I've got the lighting set up well. So maybe that's an option. Maybe we could do that. Maybe hang around later in this video. We'll, <laughs> we'll do that together. It's, it's strange though. It's strange what's acceptable. And they were an Aussie family as well, so I thought, like, culturally there was no difference. But it wasn't like I was mimicking some little kid's accent, do you know? It's not like a little kid came out with this cute little Indian accent and I started trying to mimic him and being all cute. Because to me, I, I... Actually, I don't really understand why that's offensive either. Why? I always get confused by the accent thing. Because it's, it's okay to mimic some accents, isn't it? Like if a little French kid come up to you and he's like, oh, bonjour, I could, hey, bonjour, hey, what? I don't know any other French words. I could, that's not offensive, it's cute. Everyone appreciates the fact that the French accent is cute. I've never been in trouble for, for going up to a little French kid and going, ah, bonjour. But I wouldn't even go up to a little Chinese kid and go, oh, ni hao. Because for, for whatever reason, that's, that's offensive. I'm not, I'm not sure why. Like, what is that? I'm, I'm literally, I'm doing my best job to try and communicate with a little French kid in his accent. Oh, bonjour. I'm doing my best job to communicate with a little Chinese kid in his accent. Oh, ni hao. That should not, there's nothing racist about that. There's nothing, unless, unless you're taking the piss, unless you're saying, you're not, like, we're superior to... But the truth is, the Chinese kids, honestly, technologically, I reckon he could kick our ass. They've got, like, a foundation in their culture of martial arts. I'm pretty sure nunchucks originated in, in China. Do you know? I'm pretty sure there's a few things that the Chinese kids should have a swagger about. So if someone like me goes up and just tries to politely communicate with them, it, it, it shouldn't be an issue. I think the issue is, well, the, the problem I have is, like, regardless of who I'm speaking to, I naturally start to take on their accent a little bit. Do you guys ever have that? You'll start talking to a little French kid and they'll be like, oh, yes, it's a ball. Hey, ha, ha, ha. I go, hey, yeah, it's a true. Ha, ha. That wasn't really. But, you know, you're like, you, you make a little adaption because for whatever reason in your head, you're convinced that you speaking a little bit more like them will help them understand whatever it is that you're saying. But, yeah, like, we've all been to, my mother-in-law is pretty bad at it. We were watching a Japanese player, uh, uh, what's his name? 
a Japanese tennis player at the Australian Open a few years ago. Absolute gun. And we were sitting in the Japanese section. And as a result, we were going for this guy. Not because he was Japanese and we felt like we had to. We were going for this guy because we liked him. I can't, I can't remember his name, but he was a gun. But we were smack bang in the middle of this Japanese fan squad. And, uh, and the Japanese people kept looking at us and going, oh, he's so good, isn't he? And we were like, yeah, he's like, naturally, you want to say, yeah, yeah, he's really good. But for whatever reason, something in your brain says, no, no. Like adjust the way that you're saying it so that you're saying it more like them so they can understand you. I think that's the subconscious thought plan that's happening. But my mother-in-law, I looked across at her and before she knew it, she maybe took it a little bit too far. She's accidentally, she starts going, oh, okay, okay, you understand, it's okay. I was like, oh, like, <laughs> okay, so there's a difference. I saw, there is a boundary. There's a boundary between what's acceptable and what's not, but I'm just not 100% sure what that is. Because you can do an American accent. Like, what accents are fine to do? You can do American. I'm speaking as an Australian. I can, I can speak with, like, the American slang. I can do a British accent, no worries. French is fine. Italian is beautiful. Um, Spanish, if you can learn Spanish, fantastic. German, I'm, my, my heritage is German. I should be allowed to do that. My, my ancestors, 1700s, they, they came from Germany. Technically, that should be an, an accent that I'm allowed to adopt. I am allowed to adopt it. But I, just, I reckon one of the most stressful passions for a person to have right now is to, is to try and learn the Chinese accent. Try and learn a bit of Mandarin. Like how, how many, it's, it's hard to learn Mandarin in a culture that doesn't allow you, uh, allow you to emulate some accents, isn't it? Like imagine just trying to practice with your friends this Chinese accent. You start coming home and going, ah, ni hao, watashi wa, it's a noodle. You know, <laughs> that's where it's probably, I've just mixed Japanese and Chinese and I see culturally that's a problem because they're two very different accents and you've, you've just taken the stereotype of an Asian person and assumed they've got the same language. A lot like what people overseas do with Australian money. They often just assume that we run on the US dollar. I say often, that was one conversation I had with one person um, and, and they thought that that was true. They also asked me if we had rivers in Australia. So it could have, it could have had more to do with the person that I was talking to. But we do have rivers, if you're wondering, and we don't. We have the Australian dollar. Um, it's more durable as well than the American dollar. In America, you put a you put a twenty dollar note in your in your jeans. You wash your jeans. You're doing your best to take that wet twenty dollar note out of the pocket. Over here, we're rocking plastic notes, which is helpful. Um, it doesn't matter how long you leave that plastic in water for. It doesn't crinkle. It doesn't break apart. It's colourful. It looks pretty. So that like, have you guys got any idea on what that might be? Like, why is it that some accents are fine to mimic, some accents aren't? Like, if a Chinese person did their best to come up and say, oh, g'day, mate. Oh, fantastic. There is, no, there is no person in the world, there is no culture in the world, no country in the world, no accent in the world that could come up to me and, and try and mimic my accent and me be offended by it. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of offense being taken part on behalf of people these days isn't there i think maybe that's the problem we feel as though we're we're doing our best and because we can hear that we sound quite racist uh, or no it's not no that's I've, I've said that wrong because we can hear that we're not speaking in the way that we usually would speak we assume that the people that we're speaking to are going to think that we're just disgusting people but the truth is, have you ever spoken to a person with a strong french accent and they start trying to speak english um, they might be doing quite well, but you can still hear there's like a really, there's like a real strong twang of that Frenchness in their voice. Do you know, it's like they've they're still got a little bit of that croissant stuck in the back of their throat, you know, oh, 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 oh. It's, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's interesting because, one second, let's unlock this computer, Poppy77, that's my password. It's interesting because I just, I, I want to know and I can't quite put my finger on it. Uh, 
where the line between something being racist and and something being acceptable is. It makes me it makes me nervous as well being in those kind of situations. Like the thing, because I don't I don't want to be known as a racist. I don't want people to think I'm a racist. I, I'm not. I don't care what colour you are. If I like you, I like you. If I don't like you, I don't like you. It's, it's, I would say, I would be surprised if there was even the deepest part of me that didn't like someone based on their colour. At least they had like a gorgeous tan. Unless it was just like a, another Aussie one of my mates. It was the middle of summer. Like my brother-in-law, he's got Macedonian blood. He's a good looking unit. When he, he goes to the beach for an hour, he comes home with a, with a gorgeous tan. He glows. Do you know what I mean? I, I often think if anything ever happened to your sister and I went through a, th- a time of questioning and you broke up with your wife, I might I might just try and put in a couple of foundations, have a crack, at least have a little kiss, maybe just once, just to see what it feels like. <laughs> just like just once isn't gay, is it? I don't know. Is it? There's a there's a question for you. Now, I guess I guess if you do it once and you really enjoy it, that's where you know that's where the gay vibes start to come in. I kissed him on the lips before, you know. We went to the beach one day and we said, hey, uh, uh, we, we had we had a camera set up in front of us. His wife, my wife, were both in front of us. We thought, how funny will it be in the timer? They'll look around and me and him are having a kiss on the lips. No tongue, just on the lips. It, it did feel uncomfortable. It was enough for me. It was enough for me to go, all right, I'm definitely, I'm definitely, it's, it's purely about, about women for me or about one woman, especially, you know, in case Jesse watches this, I'm not trying to say I'm interested just in women in general. Um... But, but that would be a truer statement that for me to say I'm interested in women in general is a far truer statement for me to say I'm interested sexually in men in general, you know? So it's, uh, I don't know, it was something about his, he had like a really, he had like a man beard and it, I felt too much prickle just up here. So it was enough. To, uh, yeah, I went home confident that I'd made the right choice marrying a woman. But it'd be, it'd be t- I had a mate, I had a mate who married a woman and then, and then four years into his marriage or three years into his marriage realized he was gay. Now he's, uh, I don't know if he's married to a guy, but he, he, he definitely likes him. I've, I've had a couple of interesting chats to him. I've learned a lot. I've learned a lot about the use of a pump bottle. Because I've never really understood how they how they keep everything clean. Like it'd be, it'd be, it'd be, you'd be pretty self-conscious, wouldn't you? Going in for the first time with another bloke and go, oh, like is that, like is everything as it should? I, I haven't honestly paid a heap of attention to this part of my life, this part of my body for a long time. He told me, uh, yeah, they, they clean it out with a pump bottle. Do you have pump bottles in America? It's got like the thin nozzle. It's about 800 mils worth of water. And apparently you just, you squeeze it, you squeeze it in. And it's like, what are those things called where you, like it pumps like saline into your asshole and, uh, and it just cleans you out. Apparently it's good for your health. I've got a friend who does it. I'm not going to name him. He's not gay. He's married. Got a, he's actually got a, got a little kid of his own. And um, yeah, you get this water pumped into your, into your old Anushka and, uh, and, it, and it cleans out whatever the tube is that runs up to your heart muscle. I'm pretty sure. I'm not sure if that's how they're all attached. But that's what they do. So, yeah, that was a... Yeah, for me, for me, it just gave me comfort that I'm not going to have to ever worry about pump bottles or I'm not going to ever have to worry about stuff like that. But uh, it'd be nerve-wracking. It'd be nerve-wracking, I reckon, if you, if you did start questioning that, that, that feeling. And that's hard as well because have you ever noticed how similar like nerves and excitement are for me often uh, i can be i can be so excited and then i'll zone out for a minute i'll be like oh man like what's this what's this nervous feeling that i'm why am i feeling so uptight why am i feeling so angry what is it like have you ever noticed how my old running coach used to say to me um 
If you're on the start line of a race and you feel as though you're nervous, just remember that nerves and excitement are exactly the same emotion, but it's got to do with the way that you perceive it. And I thought, well, that's really good um, if you if you have the time to, to change your perception. But but when I, I, I often feel, like when I get really nervous, I, I feel as though I'm cold. Like I get these little shivers. Do you ever get this? Like So before, before I get up on stage sometimes in comedy, I know they're about to call my name up to stage. I've got like a, I've got like a little bit of a plan as to what it is that I'm going to talk about uh, up my sleeve. And I get on, I'm about to get on stage. My hands are shaking, and I think, oh, I'm, I'm so nervous, or am I excited? I can't, I feel scared. Blah. And one of my friends gave me the ultimate hack. So apparently, here, if you don't know whether you're, whether you're nervous or excited, or whether, sorry, that, to my second point, where you, where you feel a bit like, am I cold or am I excited? You can't. You can't quite tell. Maybe you've never had this. You don't know what I'm talking about. But for me personally, I start to get these sweats, but I start to shake, and I think, oh, okay, am I, am I really cold? Do I need to put a jumper on? But then you look at you look at the the app on your phone. It says the weather outside's 26 degrees, and you think, unless I'm getting sick, like chances are, it's probably just nerves. But but someone said to me, I, I said to I think it was Geordie, my mate at comedy. I said, George, I can never tell if I'm if I'm nervous or if I'm cold. He goes, well, you know, there's one way you can check it. He goes, next time, if you don't know if you're cold or if you're nervous, touch your nipples. Touch your, <laughs> touch your nipples. If your nipples are rock hard, you're cold. But if your nipples are quite soft and relaxed, you're nervous. Which is interesting. Interesting little fact. But it, it, it's still quite embarrassing to walk up to stage and, and just start doing these on, <laughs> on your nipples, isn't it? Like you can only do that for so long before it starts to become a problem for the audience. You wouldn't want to gauge it throughout. You wouldn't want to gauge that throughout your actual performance, would you? Like if you're up on stage and and you you know you bomb with a particular joke, and you think, oh my gosh, am I cold? Oh my, like that's uncomfortable for everyone to have to sit there and watch that. I reckon some people in the audience, like maybe maybe there's some people in the audience who have a thing for nipples, like, and this would actually do the opposite effect. But in a, I think in a comedy environment, what you're going for more than more than arousal, uh, despite how good the jokes. Are. I mean, if someone's that aroused by my delivery of a joke, I'd be I'd be really grateful. But if they're becoming aroused because I'm in the process of trying to find out if I'm nervous or if I'm just excited and and started doing these, that's that's where I just think the lines start to get a little bit blurry. You know, I would I would hate for someone to come up to me, man or woman, after a set and go, "Hey, I, I really loved what you did in that set. <laughs> like that nipple thing was awesome. <laughs> Can I have a turn? <laughs> Just <laughs> that stuff. That's if there's one thing that's more uncomfortable than you up on stage doing that, it's someone else, isn't it? Just standing there going, "Oh yeah, well." I reckon you're just nervous because these are quite soft. Your left one is a little bit harder though. My, is it something that I'm doing with my? I'm doing anti-clockwise there. Maybe that's the trick. I don't know. I don't know why I'm doing that voice. I don't know why the person that I, I had in my mind spoke like that. But that I guess that's probably just my creepy voice. So uh, maybe maybe I've got yeah I've got no issue with with how people sound. I've got more of an issue with people enjoying my comedy sets based on the fact that uh, what they enjoyed most out of it was was me doing an anti-clockwise and a clockwise rub of my nipples to find out whether I was nervous or or just cold. I think, and I'm not, honestly, I'm not 100% sure, because even right now doing that, they, they still feel as though they've got like a little bit of, they're not tense, but they're, they're pretty good size. Like they're the nipple part of it. I, I, some people call me strawberry nips. Actually, most of my friends who have seen me in the ocean, um, a combination of cold and extraordinary size sensitive nipples, uh, uh, they, 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 I don't know, it's something that they observe. Um, but they're because they're because they're decent size. 
it's it's hard to know what tension they should be. I feel if they were smaller, you'd get a little bit of an idea, but they always feel like they've got a little bit of firmness to it. So I'm not 100% sure on the on the the tension level that you should feel to decipher between cold and mind you, they do like if they're rock solid, I go okay. Like each morning, I go over to the ocean, I do a little morning swim, and when I'm in the ocean, I go far out. Like if I bumped into someone with these things, I would poke their eye out. <laughs> that's that's cold. That's probably the that's the definition I'm going to roll with from now on because, um, yeah, you, you need a measuring stick of, of some sort, don't you? You need a measuring stick of, of some sort. But I'm glad I don't really have to deal with that a lot. It's usually discomfort, I feel. Like, I, I don't often feel overly nervous, I don't think. Sometimes I feel a little overexcited. Get overexcited. Some, I think the main, the main kind of feeling that I'll feel in conversations with with family and friends is just, is just. I don't know. I want to be interested in what people say, but I've got this really bad habit of zoning out in the middle of conversation. Like, especially when people are talking to me about shit, I just don't care about. Like, if they start talking, what's a subject I don't care about? What is a subject I don't? There's a lot of subjects I don't care about. All right. If someone's talking to me about like the work that they're doing on the engine of their car, just if you're ever if you are ever trying to talk to me about the work that you're doing on your car, know for a fact that I'm not paying attention to what you're saying. Um, I want to. Maybe don't know for a fact because it's something that I'm really trying to work on. I'm trying to develop that part of my life. I'm trying to develop my listening skills. I hate it when people don't listen. I hate it when you can just see that they're glazed. So maybe this is just a sign that I talk too much, but. Uh, one thing that I find really difficult is faking that I'm interested in conversations. And and the biggest problem is when, when there's that silent patch. So this person's been talking for five minutes. They haven't picked up that I don't give a crap about what they're talking about. And then all of a sudden it's my turn to talk. And I've got nothing to say because I don't know how to respond because I wasn't listening to anything that they just said. Do you ever have these moments? So someone will be talking to me about their car engine and how the crankshift is not close enough to the pipeline, <laughs> which, you know, probably needs a new washer uh, next to the steering wheel before you, um, you know, lubricate the axle. <laughs> I hope that makes sense. This is me freestyling with car knowledge. I don't know. Maybe I nailed it. But I, they'll get to the end of that rant and and then the silence suggests, hey, Tyus, it's your turn to, to talk, mate. And I go, uh, yeah, it's, that's interesting, man. Wow, that's a really fascinating story. And you know for a fact that whatever you're saying, it doesn't really line up with, with what they were saying. You know for a fact that that they know you weren't listening. And the worst thing is, I think I'm I'm fairly polite in conversations. Even when I know someone's just zoned out or I know someone's not interested and I'll try and adjust whatever I'm talking about to suit more of their interest or I can just see they're not quite buying into the conversation. I know for a fact, I'll try and, I'll try and redirect the conversation to find something that they're interested in. Give them the opportunity to talk maybe. But, uh, but some I got friends who are, who, who they'll call me out for not listening to what it is that they, and so they should. So they should, because for our friendship to flourish, it's important that we're on the same page about what's acceptable to talk about. And I don't, I don't want to be that guy that just cuts them, cuts them off halfway through their conversation about something that they're passionate about. Hey, hey, go, hey, bro, this story is so shit. Because <laughs> it feels rude to talk to people like that, but maybe it's the best way to, to do it. At least they know not to bring it up around you again. But I've got friends where. Where I'll just give the wrong, I'll give the wrong response. Like sometimes, do you ever just feel an awkward silence with with a laugh? 
So someone might be opening up to me about anything. Maybe they're talking about their their relationship troubles and how much trouble they're going through with their girlfriend at the moment. And, you know, she just never listens to me. And I'm always doing the housework and I'm trying to work as well, but she never feeds the dog. And I just thought she was different when we were together. Like when we were about to get together, she was really loving and she said I was sexy. And now she she just says I need to like clean the toilet more effectively and, and maybe pay more attention to the cleanliness of the shower. Um, and then I, I get to I get to like the first sentence. I've just done this. And then the silence part on their behalf kicks in and I, I just fill it with laughter because I you can't just leave it silent because that makes it more awkward. But then but then every now and then if you just leave it with laughter, it's uh it's quite clear that they're not paying attention. I went for a run the other day on that path I always tell you guys about just across the road here. It's that dirt path into town. You don't see a heap of people on it, but you see enough that like every now and then you probably see one or two people just taking the same path. And and the other day I was going for a morning run, 7 a.m., running along that path. I saw a lady come around the corner. Hey, how are you? And she goes, <laughs> I was like, I don't know what you think just happened, but that response was entirely inappropriate. <laughs> whatever, whatever you thought I said wasn't as funny. I would love to know what she thought I said because for me... A really important part of comedy is, is trying to make people laugh. I want to make people laugh. And if she thought that I said something that was, was I guess it comes down to was she being genuine with her laughter or was that a fake laugh to make me feel better? If it's fake, you know, I've been there before. I understand that. You might not have known what I said. Maybe I caught you off guard while you were listening to your podcast and you weren't quite ready for human interaction. I've been there before. I experienced that quite, quite regularly, as I've just told you here. But I, I just don't think your response was appropriate to the question. I asked how you're going. If I ask how you're going, the the wrong response is to piss yourself laughing. Unless unless you were laughing at something in the headphones that were in your ear, whatever you did, was it was uncomfortable for me. And I, I really wish you, you didn't do it because I went the rest of that run trying to figure out exactly <laughs> exactly what happened. It's weird human interaction like that as well because I... I often I try and make it. I think it's just come to a point now where it's just part of it's just part of my personality. Like I'll just I'll just try and acknowledge people as I go past them. Just genuine, just a little bit of genuine kindness. You know what I mean? Just practice and being a nice bloke. And the other day, I and, and not just the other day. This is one example I'm about to tell you. But this is something that happens regularly. I'll go past someone. Go, hey, how you doing? And uh, I think this hey, how you doing is uh, is it screams. It screams that we probably know each other from somewhere because I'll, I'll do it in a way that maybe if you if you don't know me, you'll assume that you and I know each other. You assume that we have some history and you've just briefly forgotten. So I was going for a run on the on the beach path, just a little bit past that dirt path I was just telling you about, which is uh, unnecessary detail. You didn't need to know the specifics, but then, now you know exactly where we are. Uh, we're on the beach path, concrete path if you're interested. And uh, I ran past the lady like, hey, how you doing? And she stopped and she said, hey, good, good. Now but I, I was in the middle of a run, so I just I sort of turned around, waved. I got about five, uh, not 5K, a couple of K up the road, did a U-turn, started running back towards my house. And, and as I approached her, I saw her in the distance and she started to slow down. She's like, hey, it's Wally, isn't it? And I was like, nah. It's not Wally. I'm not. I'm, I'm sort of offended that you thought my name might have been Wally <laughs> because I don't. I just. There's nothing wrong if your name's Wally, but I just. I just don't feel like I. I look like a Wally. I got told a while ago that I don't look masculine enough to be a Tyson either, which was offensive. On a Saturday morning down here, I work on a like a weekend weekend breakfast radio show on eighty nine point nine. The light. Tune in. Check it out. Good show. That's what I'm saying. But. Um, 
But the chick I do do the show with, Joy, her name is superstar, legend, the loveliest girl you you could meet. Really, really nice chick. First time I met her, she goes, you don't look like a Tyson. I said, wait, what What does a Tyson look like? And this was the part that offended me most. She said, a Tyson, it, it, it screams masculinity, screams muscular, it screams real manliness. I said, hang on, like maybe, maybe stop explaining now. I've heard sort of enough about what you thought a Tyson might look like. Uh... I said, well, well, elaborate a little, please. Like, can you can you explain to me what you thought? She goes, I don't know. I just thought muscular. Mate, look at this. Look at this. Tell me this isn't muscular. Mate, I've hit a level of fitness. Joy, if you're watching this, explain this to me. I've got eight photos of this. So I just want to... Well, hang on a second. I've, I've taken a front shot and a back. Look at this. Oh, Poppy yesterday at the gym. Look at that back muscle. Can you get more masculine than that? That is unedited, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> just, the shadows honestly did me a lot of favours, I'm going to be honest. The shadows, I reckon the shadows added 80% to that photo because I've taken a similar, isn't, that's quite, I wish I didn't show you that now because vanity is a problem. But I said to Jesse last night, I go, it's only vain if you think it looks good. Like if a fat person posted a photo of themselves on a chin-up bar, you'd go, well done, excellent, keep working at it, you'll get there. Then you see a photo of a bloke who's there. Do you know? <laughs> you see a photo. You go, that is a BMX track on this bloke's back. Look how ripped he looks. And you go, that's so arrogant. What a cockhead. Which is true. I, I'm i regretting showing you that photo because if someone had have done that to me, I would have been like, mate, like get a, get a little bit of understanding about what obnoxious means and then just start to remove it from your life if you could. Because what you just did there was pure vanity. However, only vanity if you think it looks good. So if you're looking at that and you're thinking, Toss, you're a cockhead for showing that. I'd like to send my sincere appreciation <laughs> for your compliment. Because what is there to be arrogant about unless there's something there to be arrogant about? Do you know, look at me. I'm trying to I'm trying to plead my case. This didn't go well in my conversation with Jesse last night. She just goes, hey babe, calm down. Maybe just stop taking photos of yourself when you work out, hey? Just focus about the benefits on it to your health and not so much the aesthetics of it. I said, well, babe, all right, I'll keep this between me and you. I'm not going to show anyone. And here we are. I've just, I've just showed all of you who listen to this particular this particular podcast. Did you like it? <laughs> Look, I try and paint this picture of, mate, like, check how ripped I am. Look how confident I am. That's a bit arrogant. And then go, but did you like it? Do you think I look good or does it, does it look bad? Because if it looked bad, I'm never going to take another one of those photos again without a stronger editing skills taking place. Hmm. Always ends up in a different location to what you expect it will. I thought I was telling you. I thought I was purely telling you then about uh, what it's like to bump into people that you're familiar with, and I've ended up showing you a photo of my back that I was I was quite happy with. Um, it's amazing where you end up. <laughs> Speaking of amazing where you end up, so <clears throat> my poppy Bill. All right, my mum's parents, Nanny Bet and Pa, passed away a few years ago. All right, they were the ones I was probably closest to growing up. But but since they've since they've gone on, I've got I've got Poppy Bill and Nanny Mill. They were married. Poppy Bill was twenty two. Nanny Mill was sixteen. Questionable, all right. Even back then, I think it was a questionable age gap. My Nanny Mill's mum still alive, ninety two years old. Doesn't 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 really like him based on the fact that she said to him. So you got to understand that my Nanny Mill's family is from Yugoslavia, Montenegro. And uh, I think part of the territory of Montenegrins is is a little bit of hot blood. Like that, I'm not sure if there's something in the in the weather there, something in the atmosphere, something in the water. It could be a combination of all of those things. Passionate people, 
passionate people. And my nanny Mill's mum said to my poppy Bill, hey, I just want to let you know when you step out the front of the church with my daughter, I will shoot you. And my poppy Bill said, Are you, is she legit? And nanny Mill goes, I'm not entirely sure. I'm <laughs> like, it'd be, a, it'd be a really rubbish day if she follows through with that, wouldn't it? One sec, I've just got to keep unlocking this computer because I don't want I don't want the recording to stop. Um, I get nervous because the screen switches off and, and I don't know if it's going to keep recording. But yeah, she said, uh, this is, so he's 80 now. What's that? 52, 58 years ago, they got married. So she didn't. She didn't follow through with her words, which uh, I mean, like it's it's all good to talk a big a big game, which Popplestones a lot of the time they do. And my family's got a reputation for for talking the talk, and then when it comes to backing up, go oh, okay, I spoke a big game. <laughs> so I'm trying to avoid that. But she she maybe set the origins of that. Oh, that's the Yosic Yosic side of the family. She uh, yeah, she didn't she didn't follow through. But it's interesting watching watching your, your family get a little bit older. And I had a moment this weekend that was for me. It was a realization that 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 things aren't like they're they're aging a little bit. They they've been not they're both we're all aging, aren't they? But I think that gets to a point in your life where you really notice the the effect of that age. And my nanny Mill still got it. She got she got a couple little health things here, but but she's doing mostly well. My poppy Bill also doing mostly well. Most confident walks around with a strut. He thinks he's king still. That's never going to change. But problem is he's he's starting to get a little bit forgetful. Old poppy Bill. Starting to get a little bit forgetful. And I, so we were having dinner out at my mum's house. I went and picked them up so they could have a few drinks. They both like a, a little drink, good on them. Uh, but then on the way home, Poppy Bill goes to, to my nanny Mill, my lever. And he goes, uh, hey, lever, have you fed the dog? And, uh, and nanny Mill goes, Bill, are you taking the piss? We haven't had a dog for 15 years. He goes, lever, I'm talking about biscuit. I'm talking about Bicky, huh? Is that the bait? Have you fed it? He goes, Bill, we've got a cat, you dickhead. <laughs> we've got a cat. <laughs> so, Poppy Bill, apparently every day, every couple of days, she goes, hey, hey, Lever, you got it. it's time to feed the dog. He's not even European. I'm not sure why I'm doing that for him. He's Australian. But my nanny Mill, she goes, it's, it's, a, it's a cat, Bill. Okay, it's a cat. Are you kidding? It's a cat we have. I think... And there comes to a point in your life where you start thinking, when you start thinking you own animals that you don't actually own, I think that's a point in your life where you go, all right, all right, this brain is a, I mean, I'm grateful for it. But there's a time where, like, there's, the finish line starts to get in sight, doesn't it? Doesn't matter how much omega-3s you've had, doesn't matter how much of the ketogenic diet you've had, huh? I'm just trying to show you my brain knowledge at the moment. That could be the limit of it, the extent of it. But we don't need to go into that. It's a little bit of knowledge for us to think about. But yeah, it was it was funny to me. It was funny to me because he laughs about it, and they're so traditional as well. He uh, he comes out of his bedroom the other day, and uh, he just I was up there. Just it was actually the same day they were about to come down to mum's for dinner, and he comes out. He goes, "Hey, Lever, <clears throat> get my shoes." Because this is you got to remember, it's very traditional relationship. This is it's mutual. They're both they're happy with their roles. She cooks. You know what? I don't know what he does. A pretty similar story to our relationship. But he's he's there for he's entertaining. That you know, that that could be the same as me and Jesse. So he comes out and goes, Lever, uh, get my shoes. Not in that accent. He's Australian. I'm not sure why I'm doing that. Uh, and she goes, uh, Bill, okay, I've got them. Here they are. He goes, uh, uh, put them on. <laughs> Which is, do you admit that about your grandparents? Is that the patriarchy just just still in still in practice? Is that what people? 
You don't know what's acceptable these days, do you? I told you about this last week. This is why I'm glad I'm I'm not looking for a partner because I think I, I constantly stumble over things that are now politically incorrect that used to be funny. As I say, I used to I used to say crazy things like all lives matter, doesn't matter about the color of your skin, you you've got value. And now people are like, well, that is a disgusting thing to say. Like, what an asshole. What an are you that naive? I got well, I'm, I've clearly I've really missed something. It's, it's time for my booster shot. <laughs> My mate's got this call now. Whenever whenever someone's made a fool of himself, whenever someone's said something they shouldn't have said, he goes, oh, sounds like someone's due for their booster shot. I had a, I had a due for your booster shot moment in 2012. I was in a... So my wife and I... I'll, I'll, I can't show you photos of these. I don't have this as as readily available as what I had that 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 six-pack on your back photo. I'm not sure. Back muscle photo for you. Clearly that was planned, wasn't it? I, I so badly just wanted to show. I so badly just wanted to show you, and uh, and it's still playing on my mind. You know, I wish I, I wish I wasn't thinking about this still, especially live, because there's nothing you can do about it now. And you guys all know how much of an impact it's had on my psychology for the last five minutes. It's clearly, just in the back there, going, I can't believe you showed him. The other part's going, Yeah, but you look good. Good on you. Show him again. <laughs> Maybe I'll show you at the end. We'll see. We'll see what my brain's doing. But um. I had this moment, so so we'd just been married. It was actually we'd been married actually about a year, and we thought let's go on a holiday with a budget. Back when holidays were an option, so so we went over. We went to America, got some cheap flights. We flew via China because that was the, that was the cheapest flights. We went on on China Southern. You know, I, I made a couple of errors when I was ordering my food, trying to trying to be more clear, like I was telling you about before. Got a couple of interesting looks by the fluent English speaking flight attendants. Like, is that your natural accent? Why? Has it have a twang of Chinese to it? A little bit of a twang of Mandarin going on, if I'm not wrong. Uh, that was a long flight. Yeah, we we we're not going to do that again. To fly to China to get to America seemed like a a questionable saving of money. Yeah, we I think we saved three hundred bucks, but we lost about twenty four hours of our day <laughs> because we were just I don't know. So we got to America. We. Uh, and we're going around in this camper van. And the cool thing was this camper van was like a full-blown hippie van. It, it had like real bright colors. We looked like we were the ultimate stoners. At that, we'd never we'd never smoked marijuana in our life, but but we looked as though we did. And uh, I remember once we uh, we parked in what's it called where you park your where you park your vans in the in the states. They've got what is that name? Like a a camper a trailer park. Is trailer park? I can, I can. I always get muddled up. I used to listen to Eminem, and I think he grew up in a trailer park, and that's like that's where you go if you if you're struggling a little bit with cash. Um, but it was it was essentially maybe an RV park. It was where everyone with a van who didn't want to pay for a night's accommodation at a at a normal place to to stay would just park their cars. And I panicked. I was I was just it was after dark dinner time. Uh, Jesse was sitting back at the van just cleaning up after dinner. I said I'm just going to go for a bit of a wander around the around the trailer park or whatever this thing is that we're staying at. And, uh, and and anyway, there was a there was a police van quite close to where we were staying, and I was I was walking around with my with my hands in my pockets, and uh, this policeman jumped out of his car at a pretty quick pace, and he come up, he goes, "Sir, what's going on here?" I was like, "Mate, uh, just um, I'm just going for a walk. I'm just going for a walk." He goes, "Can I ask you to take your hands out of your pocket?" And I was like, um, "He didn't say can I ask you. He goes, I need you to take your hands out of your pocket." And uh, I, in, I, I guess because obviously I didn't understand that anyone had the right to carry a gun over in the states at this time if you had a license or you just had a really good contact. So I was, I was nervous. I thought, far out. This is where, this is where it could end. Never been confronted by a police officer before. Never been in trouble by the law before. So I, this is what I did. I fell to my knees and put my hands up like this. <laughs> like this. 
This is a this is the level of fluster. I reckon if I had felt my nipples at that time, they would have been soft because that was pure nerves. That was pure. But this, the most embarrassing thing to me was as I fell to my knees and put my hand in the air, the officer laughed at me. He just started laughing. He goes, "What? What are you doing?" He goes, "Mate." He goes, "It's just policy. Obviously, uh, over here, where you know, there's a chance you've got a gun. I just wanted to see your hand, so I, I, I knew whether or not you had a weapon." And uh, but when he said, "Let me see your hands," my brain heard, "Get on the floor." Uh, like you've you've done, you've been caught. Even though I'd committed no crime to my knowledge, so I'd fall to my knees to steal these ones. Like, mate, I'm sorry. <laughs> Take me away. I'm guilty. I apologize. Just save my family. That was an interesting trip, 2012, because there was it's sketchy staying. If we, we didn't have like one of those trailer park RV parks, whatever they're called, is it trailer? I don't know. Can you tell me what it's called? If we didn't have one of those places to stay, we just used to sleep in car parks. Of a like the first night we were we were. It's just so nondescript. We were sleeping in a in a massive car park. <clears throat> excuse me, in this super bright camper van, which just screamed, "Hey, we got drugs on us. We got drugs on the premises," which we didn't. Panadol, maybe. You know, that was the extent of our of our drug consumption. And I don't even reckon we took any because we didn't we didn't feel sick during that trip. Um, but it just it stood out like a sore thumb. There was one there was one night in San Francisco, right? So we're in San Francisco and, and we were operating with like a little solar panel shower. And for whatever reason, I, I don't know why this is, my wife was comfortable to go to the sketchiest part. She, maybe she's too trusting. Maybe maybe we've been in Australia too long. We just assume that things are, are going to go fine. Um, so so Jesse said, hey, I, I really need to have a shower. Can we? There's this massive park in San Francisco and so we thought, all right, it's after dark. We're going to drive into this park. But we didn't want to be on the main road because if we're walking, if we're on the main road, Jesse's having a shower and cars are sort of driving past. It's fairly desolate, late at night in a, in a big park. But you thought you don't want to take that risk. So we, we, took, a little, we took a little tangent. We went away from the main road. And then we went uh, up like a back dirt path. And then we started, Jesse goes, hey, just go right down this dirt path. No one will see us there. And I was like, this this looks so sketchy and I feel so unsafe. But I didn't want to say to Jesse, well, you're braver than me. I wanted to say, hey, I've, I've got you covered. No matter what happens to us in the next 15 minutes, you know, I'm here to support you. So I sort of choked down my fear and we drove down this. It was like a one kilometer, it was like a dead end dirt path. I said to Jesse, I go, hey, if we see headlights coming down behind us, once we've got to the end of this, we're in a lot of trouble. It's time to bail. She goes, no one's going to come down here. Why would anyone come down here? I said, hey, good point. You know, great point. So we got down to the end of this road. It took us five minutes. We jumped out. Jesse started heating up the water to put into the solar panel thing. Uh, into the solar is it not solar shower? Yeah, solar shower. We had the little um the little water at the back. She jumped around the back of the truck. She was she was stark as started having a little bit of a shower, and uh and and no joke, just as just as she got her boobs out, I reckon, this car turned down. From the distance, you could just see the little headlights, and there was there was no there was nothing down here apart from us. We were at the dead end of this dirt path in the middle of parkland in San Francisco, just uh, with the impression, with the with the understanding that if anyone turns down this path, we're we're in a pickle, we're in a lot of trouble, and so they did, and they came and parked right next to us, and so the the passenger side seat was. Am I remembering this right? No, the driver. The driver had us on his left. He pulled up next to us. He ran down the window. He's like, hey, 
what's going on here? And you could just see that this guy, he was, he'd done, he'd done more drugs than a human should have done. And then the back seat, the back seat window wound down and a guy in the back seat, equally as drugged up, just had that look about him like, oh, I don't really want to be associating with these people. Wound down the window and he goes, how are we guys? And Jesse was around the back. They couldn't see her. I said, what's going on? I said, and I just, I tried to just win him over with uh with like a little bit of charm, like a little bit of little bit of Pobblestone friendliness. Like, hey guys, how you doing? Come and join us for dinner. We're just we're cooking up a little bit of food, and that's it. He goes, no, no, there's more than that going on. What's really going on? And I was like, oh no, you know when you try and extend like a like a friendly welcome to someone and they just turn it down flat, and you're like, oh, this is this is going to be bad. I, it was it was automatically that vibe, and I was thinking, this is this is really bad. So I, I did what I did a couple of times on that trip. He's like, hey, what are you doing? I was like, mate, yeah, no, the boys are just inside the truck cooking up some dinner, um, and, and that's about it. Like, start trying to talk like a real man. I said, honestly, mate, would love it if you come and join us. And uh, he's like, hey, you guys need any stuff? And I was like, any stuff? He's like, yeah, we, we got some drugs on offer. Are you interested? And I was like, oh, fellas. And I, I started to turn back on this friendliness. I was like, oh, mate, I bloody, I'm so grateful for your offer. Honestly, if I was if I was a drug addict, you are the bloke I would have bought it from. I I have no question about that. <laughs> you just got that look about you that says you are the man that I'd buy my drugs from. I said, but mate, I'm actually a, I'm a middle distance runner. Like I'm really into health and fitness, and I got to be on top of my game. And he's like, oh yeah, you're on track. And I was like, yeah, mate. He's like, you know, I used to be a 1500 meter runner. He's um, like, man, it's been a long story. I go, mate, get out of the car. Come and tell us about what's going. Anyway, Jessie's doing this little side shuffle, just like trying to cover up her boobs, trying to like put this little solar shower away because I've just painted the picture that I've got eight blokes in the back of this van with us and they're going to be there to protect us. And uh, the guy's like, man, you know what? Welcome to San Francisco. He's like, I'm not going to give you any drugs. I'm going to leave you guys alone. I just wanted to see if I could hook you up. And I, I could not. I, it, was, it was almost tears of, of relief <laughs> because... Like, if you watch Crime Stoppers or if you crime scene investigation or, or, or whatever it is, that most murders, I'm pretty sure, I'm not sure if this is statistically accurate, most murders tend to happen at the end of a dirt path in the middle of a San Francisco park after dark when there's tourists in town at the back end. Does that not sound like the start of a murder scene? And I always think, mate, this is this is where it all this is where it all goes bad. I had chickpeas on the stove. I had my wife around the back having a shower with her little boobies out. Oh, this has just got classic murder scene written all over it. It's a... Uh, yeah, it's it's interesting. It's inter- It's weird like that. Jessie's Jessie's tough like that. She she wasn't flustered by it. She wasn't phased for whatever reason. It's it's still a thing I dream about. I think I'm not sure if PTSD is too strong a word to explain what it is I feel about that situation. <laughs> but yeah, she's she's a bit more aggressive than me. Maybe a bit more disagreeable. Just assume things are going to work out quite far. I'm a bit more defensive, a bit more jumpy, a bit more reactive. I'm the kind of guy that if I'm in the car, someone cuts me off. I just go, you know what? That's, I'm not that stressed. I'm not. I'm in that much of a hurry. They, they might not have meant it. Don't. But Jessie's the kind of person. If she's in the passenger seat when that happens, she reaches over on my behalf and beeps the horn. There's nothing that makes you feel like more of a bitch than your wife jumping over and beeping the car horn. I go, but sweetie, come on now. Hey, if if I was if you were driving, I'm not going to act like this. Like if I'm if I'm behind the steering wheel, you just got to let me. You just got to let me run the vehicle. Do you know? And I've, I've, I don't know if I told you guys a few weeks ago, I had a run-in with one particular guy. We were leaving we were leaving a golf driving range. It was like a really friendly, relaxed vibe. 
there was a few people in the car park and there was two blokes just walking out in front of me weren't really paying attention because there was nothing to pay attention to. There weren't that many people around. There was nothing you had to be that aware of. There was nothing you had to be, uh, I don't know, that on the on the ball about. But but these guys decided, you know what? I'm just gonna I'm just gonna cut. I'm just gonna cut in front of these guys. Jesse jumps over, holds down the horn for way longer than was necessary, and then quickly sits back like this. So by the time these guys look over, all they see is me sitting behind the the steering wheel with like a blank face of, oh my God, I'm gonna to get totally blamed for that. One of the guy walks around to the side of the car and goes, mate, what's that about? Do you know how embarrassing it feels to have to explain to this bloke on a Sunday afternoon at the golf driving range, which is supposed to be a really relaxed vibe, that it wasn't you, it was your wife. She decided to reach over and uh, and beat the car on your behalf. She goes, mate, the guy goes, mate, there's, there's absolutely nothing worse than a bloke with that kind of patience but what I've realized is one thing that is potentially worse is a bloke that tries to palm off the blame to his wife for something he's too scared to face up for. And I said, no, mate, it was definitely, I promise it was her. It was, I would never do that. And I was, I was being honest. I was sitting there just going, no, no, I'm being odd like this. It was 100% her. Get it, babe, get out. You get out and deal with this. I want nothing. I've wandered up my window. I want nothing to do with this. I want nothing to do with this disgusting, despicable behavior. And, uh, it just made me look like a bitch. I was the nice guy and turned out just to look like a bitch. In that situation, what, are you supposed to just own up for it? My brother-in-law has this ridiculous rule where if he far- if his wife farts in a public place and people call it out, he has to take the blame for it. <laughs> like, what a ridiculous rule. I would never play by that rule. If you fart in a public place, that if, if my wife farted in a public place and she said, babe, are you happy to take the blame for that? I would go, guys... Just want to let you know, my wife's just done a fart and she's asking me to take the blame for it. It was not me. It's 100% her. I will not accept the uh, the overconsumption of fiber in her diet and the revolting smell that's come about her. I'm not that. I'm not taking the blame for some bullcrap decision someone else has made. Surely. I'm not taking the blame for that. It's like all these bloody vaccine... Uh, what are they? Oh, no, you know what? I'll just tell you this because I started it. I'm getting the blame without having the... I haven't had the vaccine. So people are like, you're an asshole. You're keeping us in lockdown. I go, mate, I didn't make the rules about these vaccine percentages that are going to allow you to get out of here. Stop... Can you please stop blaming me? <laughs> anyway. So what I'm saying is, if, you, if you're expecting me to help you out when it comes to taking the blame for something that you've done, you've got the wrong bloke. You've got the wrong bloke. I'm, I'm not going to be doing that. Maybe I stick up for my son. I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to find the balance between good dad at the moment and, and strict dad because you like as a, I've got a 13 month old and as a dad you want to be a kind of dad who is you want to set the foundations right for your son don't you like you want him to, to grow up with confidence you want him to grow up with discipline you want him to grow up with respect but the problem I face is I also want him to think I'm really funny do you know so I'm and he started laughing at little things now so sometimes Jesse will tell him off and then Jesse will look away and I'll do that and he, th- he thinks it's a le- very disrespectful thing for a husband to do to his wife when you're supposed to be in it together, looking after the, the young life of this kid, raising him on this solid foundation. Uh, but also really hard to resist because because you want the respect of your son, but you also want him to think that you're hilarious. And uh, there's, been a, there's been a few run-ins. There's been a couple of run-ins um, between my wife and I because... Because you're trying to be funny, Dad, instead of being serious, Dad, like you should have been. It's something I always struggle with. 
I was always, any any time for a joke, I was always that bloke at school. I would try and make a joke out of it. I thought, like, year nine sex ed videos was the best time for me because I felt like that's where my best material came out. It was uncomfortable for everyone. I would ease the tension, say a couple of funny jokes. The teacher would growl at me. The mature kids would call me a dickhead. My mates loved it because they were right on the same page as me, hey? Hey, we were right there talking about putting the condom on that carrot and just... Mate, just talking about how like this would never fit us because we're hung like obviously like it was I had a penis the size of a midget in like a freezing river. I'm not even sure if like does a does a dwarf have a smaller penis than the average size human? I'm not sure if that's even true. I I reckon yeah, mine's okay, but it'd be there'd be plenty of people out there. I reckon. Like maybe even dwarfs that would that would have me covered. I'm not sure. Maybe if I got out of a cold water and they were they were in like a warm environment, I don't, I'm not 100 percent sure how it works. But but anyway, that was, <laughs> that's a weird tangent. I so we uh, what was I telling you about? I was telling you about uh, pen, oh yes, I was the immature kid at school. But recently, as a teacher, I had to run a sex ed class at a school for Year Nine kids. And it's it's not as funny when you like when you're 34 and you're supposed to be the teacher playing Mr. Mature, telling off the naughty kids because the naughty kids would make the funny jokes. And for whatever reason, I still I still found them quite funny. So so I guess I tell you that story just to say, you know what? It's going to be difficult to set the foundations well for my kid when when I still find dick jokes funny in sex ed class at age 34. But um, hey, that's just that's just where we're at. That's the road we're on. That's the journey we're on. I've asked a lot of questions of you today. I would, I'd really appreciate if you uh, fired me back a couple of responses to those questions that I've asked. Um, go and have a look at my Instagram page. Tell me honestly, do you believe that that's a good setup where Fallows Road is the cutoff for my double vaccinated friends, but me, old dirty stinking unvaxxed me, huh? A bloody plague in society, popple stones, what they've started calling me. <laughs> they haven't, but I feel like we're heading in that direction. But well, I've been practicing my kicks on the beach, so I should be fine. Let me know. Anyway, guys, I hope you have a fantastic rest of your week. Thanks for joining me. If you haven't watched this video on YouTube, go and look at it. Actually, don't look yet because it takes me forever to upload them. They might not be there yet. Check it out. Tyson Popplestone is, is my name, and it's also my name on YouTube. So, guys, much love to you. Much love to your family. Hey, stay strong wherever you're at right now. All right, I'll see you next week. Mwah.